0: Oh, and welcome to this week's edition of the five things where we take a look at five news stories from the world of social media and beyond and share our takeaways for what that means for brand marketers. This week, we're joined by the social expert, absolute legend in the world of social media, Bryce Mathias. Welcome, Bryce.
1: Bow, 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 bow. We don't have a yeah, sound. Maybe effect. we can
0: add a little. We'll add an air horn there. That's the greeting that you deserve. How's it going?
1: It's uh, going.
0: All right. So how about we get into it, Bryce?
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. This
0: week, we're going to be talking about some updates from TikTok, some new policy from YouTube, new uh, shopping ads on Instagram, another creator investment from YouTube, and also TikTok adds a new feature. Bryce, you want to take us away on the first uh, TikTok update this week?
1: Yes, it's going gonna, it's gonna to revolutionize how you fly. Because instead of watching a movie on a flight, American Airlines is going to let you log into your TikTok and actually scroll through TikTok for free. It's,
0: That's pretty interesting.
1: Pretty amazing. And if you think about how much time that you waste when you're on TikTok, it's going to be like we've invented teleportation. Like you're going to be boarding the plane, get on TikTok, and then you're going to be at your location. It's actually pretty, pretty dope.
0: One might say the future of travel. I wonder if they're going to put this on SpaceX with Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, it's as much of an actual innovation as anything that Elon Musk has done, right? Because you can obviously get on TikTok if you get the like in-air Wi-Fi. So it's not like it's anything crazy different. It's just that it's providing actually more access um, to to people. You don't have to purchase the whatever, the go-go in-flight or whatever Wi-Fi.
0: That's a good point. Too, because there are likely, I would imagine, a lot of people flying that don't necessarily have TikTok accounts or even the app downloaded on their phone. So I think, you know, when you're looking at this from a brand marketing lens, understanding that not only does this mark that TikTok is here to stay, obviously, but that there is, uh, you know, an aggressive push to reach, you know, new audiences, perhaps like older demographics, people beyond the Gen Z demo that usually we think of and associate with TikTok. Feels like it could kind of reach a new a new group of people here,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it will provide um, an opportunity for those people. Whether they take that opportunity, I, I, we'll have to see how it plays out. I feel like a lot of them will still want to watch News of the World with Tom Hanks instead of get on TikTok. But um, if you do think about the demographic that is primarily on, or what we think is think as is primarily on TikTok those young people may not have the agency to purchase in- in-air Wi-Fi. And so it provides an opportunity as a parent to just let your kid go and maybe not scream and cry on the flight that I'm on.
0: Cool. I can't wait to see how many people do a little dance challenge in the aisle um, when they take that fasten seatbelt sign off.
1: Um, I hope that they are do it in a respectful way and don't get duct taped to their seat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that, let's move to our second thing. So this is pretty interesting. YouTube announced some new measures for their YouTube for Kids platform. Really these are built to you know, protect younger users well being on the platform. Some of these updates include new settings for when videos are uploaded. So the default option for when a kid, a child's account uploads to YouTube for Kids is going to be the most private option available. If they know how to toggle these settings, they can, of course, do that, but it will start with the most private setting. Um, other updates, they're you know, trying to tackle overuse by adding interstitials that, re- that recommend that the viewer takes a break if they've been viewing for a long time or bedtime reminders set at a specific time of day. But what's most interesting for marketers is that this new policy is very much going to limit and remove overly commercial content is what they're calling it. Some examples that they gave were videos that focus on product packaging, which one might think of as an unboxing video, or videos that directly encourage children to spend money, so something that goes straight to a sales page or a product page or an e-commerce experience that lets someone someone hopefully of age purchase something directly from the video. This is a pretty big Story, especially for YouTube for kids, I think you know there are. I think the biggest earner last year made t- almost thirty million dollars in 2020. Ryan Kaji, who does a lot of unboxing videos, a lot of you know kid kid influencer type uh, content that he makes on the platform. You look at that community of content creators and really wonder how this is going to impact them. We don't know a lot of details just yet, but it sounds like this is not only going to impact creator content on the platform, but also. Um, purchased media, which assumingly is already under a pretty strict editing lens uh, on the platform. So a little bit, a little bit scary, a little bit of question marks, I think, for for people that are YouTube for kids, community members, um, but good and built in a way that is is built for the well-being of children. I think this also, and Bryce, I'd love to hear your thoughts, this also again, we've been talking about this, I feel like every week now, continues this shift from traditional influencer sponsorships and placements into finding new ways to create content together, to create, you know, a direct tie to a brand that's more emotional and more um, of a sentiment versus a purchase funnel. It's another step in that path. What do you think, Bryce?
1: Yeah, I don't know how they're going to actually... Let's let's just let's say that there's maybe three things that were in this, uh, this update. And the first two are like, we're going to update our default pri- privacy settings that the kids who know how to navigate things because they're digital natives are going to change anyway. So good luck with that. The third piece about monitoring or limiting commercial content, I don't know how they're going to do that. If you look at what Ryan Kaji does, he reviews toys. And so the lines between what is an actual sponsorship and what is not is really blurred. And if they are going to, it sounds like in the in the update that they're going to sort of, with a broad brush, just remove this content and not allow it. And I'm, I'm highly skeptical of that. Um, and so we'll see how it actually plays out functionally. But to your point, it... Um, makes us have the sort of conversation about how do we actually, um, or how do brands actually interact with this content? Um, And it's going to force them to be, I think, more natural and integrated, like you said.
0: And I think it also forces um, brands and and marketers to understand, you know, when the internet first became a great tool and resource for e-commerce and promotion, That obviously has a very transactional implication, whereas as we move forward 2021 and beyond, the way that brands should be using digital content is not just for transactional and e-commerce and what we would usually consider, you know, lower funnel later in the pipeline um, content, but really focusing more on how do we build trust with consumers? How do we build brand love with consumers? How do we make our audiences understand and, and associate our brand with what they want and how they want to purchase things? That shift in how people use digital, I think, is the driving force in all of this um, evolution of influencer marketing. And I don't think kid influencer marketing is uh, separate from that.
1: Oh, you are leading into the next thing.
0: I did that. I set that up for you. There you you go. Let's get it up to me.
1: Let's spike it down because this is uh, 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 is on its head a simple one, which is that Instagram. If you're familiar with the shopping tab, you should be familiar with it because they changed their UX to have it be one of the tabs at the bottom instead of the little heart. You've got a little handbag now. Um, And so the shopping tab that they introduced is now get ready. Buckle your seatbelts, grab onto something nearby. Hopefully you're sitting down. Instagram is going to now launch ads in Instagram shop. Crazy that Instagram, they created an e-commerce tab and now they're going to monetize it. No way, no way. Incredible. Um, Of course they were going to do this. This is why they came up with it. Like, let's be real. Uh, Let's also be real about Facebook, which owns Instagram as a company. They monetize literally everything. Anything that they invent within a year is going to have an ad product on it, with the exception of their search feature on Facebook. And the only reason they don't monetize that is because it sucks. And so this this is not a revolution here. However, if you double click into this story, Amanda, there is a little bit more here. Because while that sounds like a layup in terms of an opportunity for a brand, it is alienating certain people on the platform who are not there just entirely to sell videos or retail like consumer products. So artists, photographers, these people are starting to see their art and their posts get less and less engagement because Instagram has begun to prioritize and obviously some of this is in response to, uh, to TikTok. They've begun to prioritize more of the shopping experience and more of the video experience. And so what I think this says to a brand or to a marketer is that yes, make ads in Instagram shop, do it. They're gonna pitch it to you use it as an opportunity. However, if you are in a vertical that actually works with photographers or works with artists, or you have a campaign that has any sort of desire to uplift those sorts of people, these creatives, there are other opportunities now for you to integrate with them. There's VSCO. There's other places that these artists are now beginning to post their work because it's a little bit easier for them to get viewership a little bit easier for them to get sales if they're selling artwork. And so it's a a shift away from Instagram into looking in some of these more niche places. If that is the type of person that you're trying to work with or co collaborate with.
0: That's a good point. And I think you're spot on. And this comes also after a couple of weeks ago, um, Instagram CEO made the famous statement that Instagram is no longer a photo sharing app, which I think got a lot of, of people artists, especially kind of concerned, you know, what is the future of the platform? What content is going to be prioritized? And does it eventually turn into what would be considered a shopping app or something that people go to, to find new products and purchase them? And that is the sole behavior on the platform. I think it's, it's to be seen. And it feels at this point that Instagram is looking at TikTok, trying to emulate some of the success of TikTok while at the same time trying to create this e-commerce role in the social platforms. And it's not quite clear where, where the future of that lies. So you're right. It's not a groundbreaking or unexpected update, but I think we're going to keep our eyes on it and understand a little bit more about where, where Instagram's trying to take it.
1: And we're going to be briefed on it within a month.
0: So. We will be figuring something out. We'll figure out a cool way to use it. That's for sure. There's people there and where there's a community, there's a conversation.
1: Wow, that's the name of the podcast going forward now.
0: Wow, that was just right off the dome. On that, let's jump into the fourth thing. So we've been talking about creator funds a lot this year. Um, This is a new one with a little bit of a twist to it. So YouTube announced that it's going to pay creators up to $10,000 per month for making short-form videos on its platform called YouTube Shorts. And if you were to guess that this works exactly like TikTok, you are correct. So they're trying to get creators into this platform. They're uh, contributing a total of, I think it's like $100 million in one year directly to creators so that they can make profit off this content. So this also comes after YouTube announced their new tip feature. So for creators, they can not only make profit out of this fund, but also in parallel make tips on the platform that go directly to their profit. So this isn't, again, incredibly... New or unexpected, but I think understanding YouTube's putting a lot of money and attention and energy into its YouTube Shorts platform, which I will mention is going to be ad free, which is slightly different than, say, Instagram, who you're generally inundated with some kind of social ad targeted to you. It will be the main way that content creators are going to monetize through either this fund or the tip jar, not totally clear if that's going to be enough to bring people to the platform from places like TikTok. Um, But it's a space worth watching and that is being invested in. So I'm curious how they're going to partner this with other platform updates that make it a place that creators want to go to. Bryce, what do you think about YouTube shorts?
1: I think I'm going to go try to make some for $10,000. I mean, wow. On one hand, they're like, they're giving an update about YouTube kids and they're like, we don't want our kids being shills. And then in the same like week, they're like, but we'll give you $10,000 if you promote our new product, YouTube Shorts. So I I honestly look forward to Ryan Kaji's, you know, 15 second (laughs) YouTube Short unboxing a Walmart toy.
0: It will be an evolution too, to understand like, you know, we went from influencer marketing into longer form, you know, branded content. And now we're obviously in the world of, I'll say native, because I think that that implies a specific type of production finish. um, Short form content is here to stay in a long term sense. And for YouTube to create a whole platform and contribute $100 million just for the creators to be making a profit there, it's not going away. And this is obviously an indicator of that. Oh, yeah.
1: Follow the money. Follow the money. They are... (laughs) investing in this. And so you should too. I mean,
0: and and as a brand, I think YouTube shorts is a place that feels like it could be experimental. You know, maybe you try a specific social strategy there. Maybe you try a specific kind of content. Maybe you leverage other content from platforms here. I think it it could be a playground and it's very new and it's, it's infancy. So a, a place to experiment, have some fun, not take it too seriously. Just try it out, you know,
1: just try it out.
0: Bryce, take us away.
1: Here we go. TikTok is introducing stories. Now, if you've heard this before, it's because everyone tries to do stories. Instagram, obviously, it famously ripped off uh, Snapchat stories, and it's going really well. Twitter recently tried to, and it was called Fleets, and it was maybe the opposite of that. Um, But it is exactly what you're thinking, right? It is Um, you post a a short piece of content to your account and then after 24 hours, um, it is, uh, it is automatically deleted. Um, so you, and it's the same sort of, even the same sort of like UX too, right? It's like a little circle and you like tap it and it opens and then it moves on to the next one automatically. So it hasn't, uh, rolled out, um, completely yet. There's going to be a couple of, um, you know, uh, high profile TikTok users that are getting access. And then, you know, the rest of the, of the user base will see it. But I think what's interesting here is that, um, it seems like any social media platform sort of starts to trend in this direction, right? I mean, you've got Snapchat innovating it. You've got Facebook who owns Instagram trying to take it. And then you've got Facebook trying to do Facebook stories shortly thereafter. Um, You know, there's versions of it on LinkedIn, there's versions of it on uh, the Xbox app. So in addition to it being a new opportunity, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see if and when they put ad placements there. Um, It's a sort of, I think it's an interesting referendum on how social media platforms work. This ephemeral content seems to be crucial to their development. What do you think?
0: I think you're 100% right and I think this shift again from very curated overproduced social media um into things that are more day in the life I want to know you as a person I want to know what you know your time is filled with we're seeing that on every platform but I I think something interesting is when I first read this story and and some of the conversation that I've read around it a lot of people marked this as TikTok copying Instagram absolutely forgetting that Snapchat was the original oh my. pioneer Brutal. of the 24-hour story. But that actually makes a good point that is a lesson for this update is that, yes, every platform can have the same, if not you know slightly differing features. But at the end of the day, it really matters who is on the platform, how are they already using it, and is it a behavior that they're ready to adopt? So you look at something like Twitter Fleets, that platform and the users on it were not ready to adopt and did not want a 24-hour story it's here and then it's gone behind the scenes content vibe. But Instagram, that audience did want that because of the way that they're already using the platform. And that felt like a natural addition to the way that they're you know, consuming content already. It's to be seen. And I think you know we can assume that TikTok might operate the same way and it will be adopted pretty um, universally as the way that people want to interact with the people they follow on that platform. I, I see it being picked up and utilized often. I think it will be a good thing. I don't think it will see the same fate as Twitter fleets.
1: You're you're high on TikTok stories is what I'm hearing.
0: I feel that TikTok can do anything that falls into the existing audience behavior and find great success right now.
1: Well we will uh we'll see. I we'll what I'm most that. interested in is when is fishbowl going to debut stories and we'll have fishbowl stories.
0: It's going to be everywhere. It's gonna
1: happen. It's gonna, gonna happen. Happen.
0: We will see. Maybe that'll be on next week's uh, next week's five things. Fishbowl
1: <laughs> stories. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned.
0: All right. Thank you, Bryce, for joining us today, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. As a reminder, if you don't already, make sure that you follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Whatever your platform of choice Stitcher,
1: is. Stitcher stories. Stitcher
0: stories. We'll pitch that to them. They can have that one for free. Um, if you have any questions, thoughts, feedback, concerns, you can email us at podcasts at gray.com. And with that, we will see you next week.
1: Bye. Bye. The Five Things are produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin, with support from post-producer Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.